Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. I still can't get rid of former racer-turned-coach Ben Clark, who joins me again this week, as does Olympian Luke Stein and former Austrian World Cup medalist Marcel Mattis. During this episode, we'll be talking through an action-packed weekend of racing for both the men and the women who are racing in Soldeo and Dora at the World Cup Finals, as well as discussing yours and our World Cup Racer of the Season and the latest on the Oxygen Gate scandal from the beginning of the season. Boys, it's been an absolutely cracking weekend of racing down in Andorra. Luke, let's start with you. What did you make of it? Uh, I mean, conditions were pretty spring-like, but um, I think it makes for some really exciting ski racing, especially for second runs. I mean, we'll talk about specifics, but yeah, I reckon it was run pretty well and pretty efficiently. It was great to watch. The actual resort itself looked perfect, wasn't it? What a great advertisement for Soldeo. It was just the sun was beautiful the piece looked they were so wide and open loads of terrain the snow was injected the snow was beautiful the racers were saying how cool it was i think all in all i just want to go skiing in uh, soldeo it did look like a really nice piece to race on it had really good steeps in in the right kind of areas as well as a few rolls that were catching people out and then some flats to drive along like sometimes you see a few world cup pieces and they are a bit samey Whereas that piece did have a bit of everything and it was challenging for both the men and the women. So was, I really enjoyed watching the racing from there and lots of people in their uh, shorts and t-shirt enjoying the spring weather. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Marcel, what was your highlight? Well, definitely the third place from uh, New Zealand girl, Alice Robinson. Oh, proper good that performance, was, wasn't That it? was pretty good. Like, obviously well-deserved. She was doing so well. And I've seen her last year when she started her first racing career and I, I was really impressed already. But now, like after one season coming onto the podium, that is definitely a great achievement. Let's uh, let's talk through a couple of the results. So we kicked off with the downhill, with the speed side of the tour, and Dominic Paris yet again on fire during the downhills. He took the win. Jandrud was second. Uh, Otmar Striedinger was third. And Beat Foitz, who only needed, I think, 20 points to take the title, finished down in sixth. But a proper weekend. Dominic Paris absolutely motoring. I can't believe he's won four downhills this year and still doesn't win the title. It is a bit crazy when you think of it in that respect. But at the same time, Beat Foyt's had a picture up on Instagram of, of his season, which was because he won the first race. It was all the red bibs he then held for the rest of the season and then the globe. So Paris had the wins, but it must mean that in the races where it went wrong for Paris, it went very wrong, whereas Foyt's just kept racking up the podiums. Which I think you can understand from the way that Paris skis, right? The guy skis pretty mental. Go big, go home, yeah. Obviously, Foyt's has definitely got the consistency and, you know, it wasn't under a huge amount of pressure in the last race, except for, you know, still only 20 points in it. I mean, if you consider the fact that Foyt has been injured so many times in his career and still has that special touch on the ski, I think he's a well-deserved champ. So obviously would Paris be, but I think Foyt really deserves that. Yeah, well, I think you, you always talk about consistency, whether it's a season of consistency or whether it's a run of consistency or two runs of consistency. That is the name of the game. And Foyt was there or thereabouts, barely outside the top 10 all season long. Whereas, like you say, Ben, Paris out the race a couple of times and way back inside the 20 just inside the 20s and some others so uh, all in all properly good and actually I was quite pleased to see Jansrud coming back to some form after some tricky I guess sort of the middle of his season didn't really go right I think the world champs was a bit of a blip that sort of uh, win that he got really because he didn't carry so much form going in hit that race and then sort of 
used that as a little bit of a boost to finish off a season into what's going to be a long summer. Uh, and then the women race downhill as well. Mimran Puckner taking her second ever World Cup win. Ravensburg was in second and Suter was in third. Schmidhofer took the title down in 11th. But again, she only needed to finish basically inside the points to take the title. So again, the, the men and the women raced on the same track, which... I think was a real challenge for some of the ladies with those conditions. Yeah, like obviously it was it was a tough race for the woman. Like it's always a bit tr- difficult when they have to ski on the same track as the men do. Like obviously it's not Kitzbühel, but it's still very challenging. And I think the woman, they need to they need to get everything they have at the start to go down a men's track. But uh, they have done really well. Puchner obviously coming back from an injury as well. Really. Big race for her, and also Schmidhofer winning the overall of after 10 years when Renate Götzl won it last, which is a massive success for the Austria ski team. It was interesting considering we spoke earlier how the Austrians have, have don't really have that talisman or woman at the moment, and then Steven, uh, Schmidhofer sorry, coming through and taking a title and bringing more, I don't not credit to the Austrian women's program, but certainly you know, thrusting them back into the forefront of skiing, which is where you expect them to be. Yeah, I mean, look, Austria one, two, and 3 in the overall rankings for the women's uh, downhill, which is obviously, you know, they're doing something right with their program, you know, and with the winner there with Bib 18, obviously it wasn't all down to the um, conditions. You know, she's pretty much back of the pack and still able to win. So it wasn't necessarily the, the, the sun that was against her on, the, on this occasion. A Super G. Yet again, Dominic Paris taking the win, th- his third World Cup win in Super G. Caviatzel in second and Kriegmeier in third. So another sort of solid racing. And this time the Super G wasn't set like a downhill as it was practically in... Um, Kietville. Kietville, that's it, thanks. When it was there. So Paris really taking a grasp and capitalising on some awesome form. Caviatzel coming back to another podium. He's bookended his season with a couple of really good results. And Kriegmeier, we haven't seen the best of him this season I think we've seen glimpses of the best of him I don't think again we talked about consistency I think it's sort of similar to Kriegmeier he's incredibly talented but he's his runs are still littered with errors it's a tough one with Kriegmeier and with a lot of the speed side this year there's not been the same level of dominance that we've seen in the, in the tech events so it's quite hard picking who you think is going to be able to put that I mean voice aside consistent uh, level of, of of performance in week in week out on the speed tour. I remember we talked a, a little while back that at one point there were six guys that were all within you know twenty thirty points of each other <laughs> vying for the for the Super G Globe and just in the last month or so Paris has really put his foot down and and, and accelerated away from the pack. And the women's side: Ravensburg, Tipler, and then Briannoni. Schifrin down in joint fourth with Schmidhofer, but that was enough to take the title. Ravensburg again, seeming like she's found some form late on when a lot of the athletes, both men and women, are looking tired towards the end of the season. She's found finally been able to to sort of get back onto the top of the podium. Yeah, allowed her to creep back up to top five in the cup standings for, for Super G, so that's great to see her back up on form for speed. And then was the turn of my favourite event, the uh, team event. <laughs> <laughs> um, which actually, I'm sort of loathe to say it, but I really enjoyed watching it. It was it was quite close. We still haven't got the stars racing. We still not got the best of World Cup skiing racing in this event, which I still think is going to be the only time where we should embrace this as the event that they want it to be. But there was still some good racing, although Switzerland dominated yet again. When you've got 
Zenhausen in this parallel slalom format. The guy's absolutely head and shoulders, literally, literally <laughs> <laughs> above everybody else. Uh, uh, and, and he's so much better than the rest of the field in this discipline. When you're talking, when they run it as four individual races, with then if it's tied, the fastest two times to win. You, all, you you've got a banker with Zenhuizen, haven't you? He's really going to win all the time. So uh, it was Norway that took second place. So in the big final, Switzerland beat the Norwegians. And then in the small final, the Germans taking the final step on the podium and the Canadians were in fourth. We, I think maybe dropped the ball a little bit, Marcel. I mean, like, I'm very surprised by the Germans because they had quite a tough season. So I think it's it's good for them to be on the podium there once again. And, like, talking about the Swiss, Sennheisern, which was one of my favorite moments this year when he won a, an actual slalom yeah. because he was not happy before. <laughs> so, <laughs> or did he? <laughs> oh, you're on my t- you're on my page, Ben. <laughs> I was impressed with the Germans in the team race at the World Champs as well. They don't really have a sort of standout person to really hang their hat on in these team events. It does seem to be a collective, you know, a proper team as opposed to you know, one or two big stars within that race. Yeah, a few years ago it would have been Felix because he used to love racing in those city events, but obviously he spent a lot of this year on the sidelines being injured, so he's not really that same figure he, he would normally be. We're going to rattle through these again a bit quicker. Uh, Schifrin took the ladies slalom, unsurprisingly. Uh, Wendy Holdner took second. Petra Vlahova was in third. Wendy Holdner, so close to getting that thought win. I thought she had it. She was skied again really well, put quality run down. And Schifrin, yeah, she's just too good, isn't she? She is definitely better than everyone else at the moment. There's no one that, that, that can touch her. I did feel really bad for Wendy, though, because I honestly thought she'd, she'd done enough on that run. Sometimes you see people that are being chased down by the best and, and you can say they you know buckle under the pressure or choke, but she had a run that looked like it was going to be enough, but just a few hundred short. And how many is that now? 21 podiums without oh, a win? No, so... I, felt, I felt really bad for her, but the fact that she just keeps coming shows that just the level of talent she has. She's been the, the one to watch in the Alpine combined, so we'll definitely be seeing more of Wendy next year. Schifrin, if we look at uh, not just the slalom, but the overall, I mean, <laughs> over a, nearly a thousand points ahead of Vlahova in second. I mean, that is just monumental. Uh, we'll talk more about her in a second, but I mean, for her age and, and to be able to keep that concentration all season, that's just absolutely amazing. And not race every race. Seriously impressive. The men's GS, which was on the same day as the ladies slalom, Pantero took the win, Odomat in second, and Jan Kranjek in third, and Marcel Hirscher down in sixth i mean you could just see like after the vol champs Hirscher wasn't doing as well as he as he's supposed to be um which is which is really hard like obviously i know he doesn't like that either but you can just see like the pressure falling off him then winning the overall title and he was just like does he sort of seem like he checked out a little bit doesn't it the last certainly at world cup finals he just seemed he wasn't I mean we talked about it early season we've talked about it all season long he's that ability to react and make changes and recover from not even mistakes yet but to recover from a position that isn't optimal Uh, and he just didn't have that last week tired there's no other explanation for it really yeah I mean he has done a lot of races this season but I think it's it's mainly like tiredness in your in his head because he won everything like he and so early on and so early on so I think like Obviously, he's still the best ski racer in the world, but he made 
more mistakes than he usually would make. So it was surprising for everyone, but I think, yeah, he had a he had an amazing season again. Pantero is certainly going to wish that the season was a little bit longer, isn't he? Because that man has found some form late on. He's found something else with his whether it's his setup or mental state or his training plan or something it's just clicked the second half of the season for him and I feel like we were kind of robbed last season anyway we talked a lot about Christofferson versus Hirscher and now we're talking about Pantero versus Christofferson versus Hirscher and a load of other guys coming through Odomat, Kranjek winning World Cups already this season it's the talent is so deep in across the whole of the men's board I think the women's side of things when you've got Schifrin dominating so much and and Vlahova being the, near enough the only person that can take a win off her in the tech disciplines. Um, the speed, obviously, is a little bit more open. We've seen a few different winners, but the, the, the depth of talent in the men's at the moment is is a joy to behold. The Ladies' GS was the last World Cup that they raced. For once, the big story wasn't about Schifrin, even though Schifrin took the globe off the back of this result. Michaela Schifrin took the win. Alice Robinson, 17-year-old Kiwi, off the back of winning World Juniors by a huge margin, took second place, and Petra Vlahova was down in third. I mean, to say 2001 is weird, people born in this century, let alone winning or, or coming on the podium in, in, in World Cups, I mean, it's just serious. Like uh, like Marcel said, she's second-year fizz now, um, had some great results last season, You know, rocked up to the Olympics, did fairly well, and then to have this on the last race of the season, especially with what happened in New Zealand this last week, is pretty monumental result for New Zealand I think you know I don't think they've had any podiums in the past in World Cup no not never in G- so not that's, in GS no not in GS at least so I think that's highlight for the for the last couple of races for sure for, on the women's side it really impressive she was quickest in the second run at the world championships uh, she's coached by a guy that used to do a bit of coaching with us Nils Koberger who's uh, I spoke to earlier on who actually took more pleasure in rubbing the rugby in my face than <laughs> than necessarily wanting to talk about Alice Robinson but what a season that young ladies had it's really nice to see and be able to talk about somebody so enthusiastically that isn't Schifrin not because Schifrin is anything other than amazingly good and so it's so nice to see this influx of of new talent and it's a it's a breath of fresh air for the World Cup scene I think for the ladies the last race for the men was the slalom Clement Noel took a win Uh, Fella was in second after the quickest second run and then Dan Yule down in third. Marcel Hirscher all the way back in 14th. And Dave Riding managed to get over a few mistakes, let's say, uh, and finish down in 12th. Yeah, Dave had a couple of good sections again. Uh, we seem to be like uh, repeating ourselves quite a lot this year with some of Dave runs. It looked a lot more like it at the top section of both runs. But it was virtually stationary a couple of times as well, which is a bit of a bad way to hit for him to finish off the season but again we've been taught I think it just shows the level Dave's at now where we're saying 12th is a bit of a letdown as far as he's concerned because we're now expecting so much more from him with the podiums and fourth places this season so he's got the British champs in, in a couple of weeks and then the summer off hopefully he can get that form together so we can see that consistency all the way down two runs and, and keep challenging these guys for those podium positions what do you think he'll be focusing on this summer rest to start off <laughs> with uh... he did say how to, he did say in on his social medias that he was really tired which is tough because the slalom tour raced 12 times and so it just shows how exhausting we talked about it earlier Marcel you talked about Hirscher being mentally tired and I think that is something that 
we from the outside in terms of the, these guys performing week in week out Marcel obviously slightly different when with your World Cup podiums but for us having to perform on that stage week in week out and to come up with your best performances and the best performance be expected to be podiums that has got to be exhausting we talked about Schifrin maybe it's not a physical tiredness maybe it's the mental tiredness of being at your peak for so long maybe that's where the tiredness gets confused whether it be physical or probably more likely to be mental but Hirscher not himself definitely I mean he wasn't he wasn't himself at all you could see a lot of mistakes like a lot of inside skis which never happens with him yeah as, as said like no one can really be angry at him like obviously he said in the Austrian newspapers that he's like apologizing for his for his skiing yeah, I don't no. think he needs to apologize it's funny <laughs> no, isn't it that's <laughs> an issue, but I think obviously it's not what he's used to no used to be so I mean it's a it was a great season for him let's just keep it this way yeah, well I guess when you're targeting globes you know he's not targeting really World Cup wins obviously he is targeting World Cup wins but it, the focus is on globes that box has been ticked on multiple occasions just this season let alone his career so I think you can probably excuse him for checking out the other thing I just wanted to touch on was Clement Noel he had those two great results in the middle of the season then sort of going away and not going his way to come back at World Cup finals to bring out his best skiing at World Cup finals it shows such mental strength from somebody who's only 21 he was winning after the first run and I was really worried that with the conditions he was just going to blow it Obviously, he had a lot of time in his pocket coming into that second run, especially with a few more mistakes from whoever was second. I think it was Zenhausen. But he kept his cool, and to see that for a 21-year-old on the last race to get your third win of the season was, was great. I mean, definitely want to look out for next year. We'll move on to now. We asked you guys to message us in with your skiers of the season, and I would like to start with my skier of the season, and I'm going to go with Bryce Bennett. The downhiller from the States. He's only 26 years old. He's been in previous seasons, so in the 2017 season, his best with eighth in Val Gardena, but that was pretty much it. And then to come into this season, he was ninth in Beaver Creek, fourth in Val Gardena, fourth in Bormio, fifth in Wengen. I know we're not talking podiums, but somebody so young on the speed circuit, that's a bit of an anomaly. And especially when we talked about the Americans sort of missing that, again, talisman with Bodie gone with Darren Ralves not around anymore and sort of struggling with injuries with Steve Nyman and Travis Ganong, to have Bryce Bennett hit some real consistent form from somebody so young. Most downhillers peaking at mid-30s, and this guy's 10 years away. Ben, who is your standout World Cup racer of the season? I had a whole bunch because you, I thought you'd probably take mine. So I, <laughs> um, so I said, uh, I think Ratsoli's probably my one. We, we called him out quite early on in the season when, when he came from Bib 69 or somewhere back into a second run that we hadn't seen him. I honestly thought he'd retired um, because it had been so long since we'd seen him. 2010 Olympic slalom champion, had a whole raft of injuries uh, over a whole number of years and finally making his way back to the World Cup finals and finishing sixth in, in the yeah. World Cup finals as well looks almost like his old self again. He seems to have a thing of performing really well in slightly adverse conditions. He seems to really pull out big results there as was that, that 2010 Olympics. So really happy to see him coming back and hopefully he can get through a summer of training in good shape and come roaring back again next year. Luke? I'm going to have to go for Odomat. Uh, I've been really impressed this season with not just him but 
a lot of the young Swiss guys, but he particularly had two really good results at the end, especially being a 1997 birth, so he's just 22. I think we've got a lot of good things to, to see coming up next season. For him. Marcel, what about you? I would say Elise Robinson, but I wouldn't say it's just her. I think it's the young generation coming up this season, like Popov and also the Swiss guys, like stepping up their game. I think it's like a time right now where young people and young racers gonna go into World Cup races and starting to win, getting on the podium, which is which is a cool thing. Like obviously, the old ones have been around for a long time, so I think it's a good time for them to step up. Well, I think you're right. I think we are seeing a, the sort of change of the guard. We've got 11 people that have announced retirements already, and I'm sure we're going to get a few more coming over the summer, which we'll talk about later. But 11 of the best skiers in the world retiring, and all of a sudden we've getting this influx of youngsters right at the right time. It does uh, mean that we're going to have to learn a few new names for next season. <laughs> it shows that we're in great shape. Some of the emails that came in, I'm going to read you out a few of them and see what, see what you guys reckon. So Peter Davis and Shelley Burton both said Albert Popov. Popov came from Bib 71 to 9th in Kitzbühel and 46th to 6th in Schladming and then made World Cup finals. How on earth do you do that that young and from a start number of that high shows immense strength and power and hats off. couple more, David Faller and Aveline Dayton both said Schifrin. She's just a stat machine. 17 World Cup wins this season. Two World, Cup, uh, World Championship podiums this season. 70% win ratio. Ridiculous. Two World titles, World Bronze Medal. She's ticking boxes left, right and centre and could easily be within the next two seasons take the most winningest skier title. I can't see anybody stopping her. I mean, we talked about Hirsch potentially getting close, but he's not winning at the same... He's not got the same strike rate. I'm going to move on to one of the next emails we got. Quite like this one. Conrad Bruner. He gave me three. He said, Ragnhild Moven, because she's been a great all-rounder all season. We've spoken about her multiple times on the pod. Skiing really, really well. Uh, Petra Vlahova, who also has been skiing really well, and he, and he said in his email that... Petra Vlahova to have won five World Cup races this season against a peak Schifrin is extraordinary. The only skier who has a prayer in a head-to-head battle with the American. That's totally accurate. But my favourite one of the three picks that he chose, and I'm going to quote you here, Conrad, because I I loved this uh, analogy. Dominic Paris. A cart horse who looks like he's been poured into his catsuit, but Paris transforms into a panther on course. His tuck and glide is a thing of beauty, and he owns the strife. All in all, Conrad, I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. I think he's right. I mean, uh, he's, yeah. he's just a unit. Um, the only person close to his size is Nyman, and yet he's still got that touch on his skis, which is amazing. It's insane, isn't it? That's, and he's won so many times in the World Cup. I mean, it sort of seems to be when he's got that bit between his teeth, some guys buckle under that pressure, and he just seems to get better and better and better. Two more, and then we'll move on. Chris and Kelly. Vincent Kriegmeier, basic, not necessarily the skier of the season, but the race of the season, the weekend, a moment of the season... Uh, when he nearly crashed three times down the strife, somehow managed to 
not make all the gates but end up in the finish area in one piece and then to come back the following day and be 1500s off the win in the super g is pretty remarkable uh, and then the last one that i want to talk about it was by a coach uh, who's a friend of mine from the states and he said paula Moulton is a college racer from the university of vermont um, that's his standout skier and uh, she was 12th in flacow 18th at world champs and she's had four top 20 so not necessarily one of the ladies who's winning the most but his point was somebody who's still in college somebody who's still still dedicating a lot of time towards education is able to come out and perform against the best in the world and stand up on her own two feet against the might of the world in ski racing who are dedicating all of their time to racing to do that is incredible and i think uh, luke you went and studied in the states and, and used that as long t- alongside your competing yeah i mean uh, you know it's a great platform to continue your education and be able to race at the same time i wasn't quite at you know the level to be racing ncaa but nonetheless i was able to balance schoolwork and skiing which is which is it's not always an option for everyone to just pack it in and just do ski racing What's interesting about the the collegiate system is the scholarships that you can get for racing for these really rich colleges. And so it gives people the opportunity who maybe couldn't have afforded to to, to carry on racing full time to to be able to do it part time. And, you know, like we said, to see some serious results in World Cup, top 15s and top 30s, even podiums from the Canadian a couple of weeks ago. It's great to see. It's really interesting, this whole collegiate system. And I, and I read a tweet and yeah. they were saying that the NCAA competitions, there are so many races from around the world that are taking the top step or even the podiums or even the top tens or taking places away from the Americans. And I wonder whether that has an effect on why we're not necessarily seeing this transition from young American races to this you know, having the strength and depth that the Austrians have, that the Swiss have, that the French have. Is that a reason why we're not getting these guys through? Yeah, I mean, look, colleges, let's take each college. There's probably about six or seven who have got pretty damn good programs. Um, you could probably have five or six races on the girls' side, five or six races on the on the men's side full, full time. I think when I went to CU, and I obviously wasn't racing NCAA, but I think there was only two Americans on the team. Um, out of sort of 15, uh, 10 or 10 to 12 skiers. Um, so, you know, they're definitely these foreigners <laughs> taking the um, positions uh, in, in, in the collegiate system. Let's not system. get too political. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I, I thought this was Brexit. Um, and, uh, and basically, you know, it has to have a knock-on effect because if you're not giving opportunities for Americans to be able to, to ski full-time with those, those scholarships, it has to have a negative effect on sort of the young crowd and generations coming coming forth but i mean what are you supposed to do say to these colleges no you you can't pick whoever you want to pick i mean that's not really an option so well it's it's like any sport isn't it it's like you You know chelsea football club saying you can only you have to employ people from from chelsea yeah you know they live live in chelsea or fulham no exactly (laughs) so i think you know you're right in saying that it's it has a knock-on effect but you know regardless of that as we've seen with uh, River Rad- Radimus, you know, like it's, it, there is still opportunities for the Americans to come through. Like, you know, we talked about it being a numbers game and how many millions of people there are in their country. Like they, you know, they should be up there with the Austrians and, and, and the Swiss and the French. Yeah, I guess the difference the Americans have is there's so many other sports they can do for a lot of money 
so if you're going to college and you're particularly athletic there's probably a bunch of sports you could have a scholarship on i guess they do have huge mountain ranges they generally have better snow conditions so it might just be the case that you see a lot more of their races come through from the ski clubs and academies within the mountains rather than necessarily the collegiate tour but for those athletes that then want to go to college and get an education and also race those will be those two or three us guys on the team another big story that we've we spoke about earlier and that we sort of thought had been put to bed was the uh, stefan lutz oxygen gate story that's been going on so Stefan Lutz recently won his appeal against Fizz's decision to strip him of his win at Beaver Creek at the opening GS of the season. Let me take you back. He was photographed using an oxygen mouthpiece in the hospitality area, which is against Fizz's rules. Fizz say that you can use oxygen. We understand that it's not a performance-enhancing drug, but you can't use it within the World Cup field of play because it's deemed as not looking great for externally. But Cass who are the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sports, that's the highest court that uh, you can go to when it's talking about sports, says that the FISRAL was in conflict with WADA, the World Anti-Doping Association, and the uh, WADA rule took priority. So Kaz have overturned that, so he has now been put back into the win there. He's taken his 45,000 Swiss francs prize money. He's put his uh, 100 points back on the board for his World Cup, and it's his first World Cup win. So all of a sudden he's got his win, he's not got his win, and he's got his win back again. Do you reckon Marcel Hirsch sponsors will ask for their money back that he would have been given for a win bonus? <laughs> Marcel? Probably not. <laughs> He's probably kept already with his money. So No, but I mean, it, in general, it's a bit of a joke. Just make clear rules. Like, if the VADA says it's legal, then FIS has to say it's legal as well. Like, it's obviously they're the highest incense in sports or in, like, in making the rules uh, in regards to doping. So, yes, they should count. I think it's a bit ridiculous that it's taken the first World Cup of the season and we're talking about it still today just after the last World Cup of the season how are the athletes supposed to know we could have been settling the World Cup globe based on that result all of a sudden it changes it could have altered the whole of the top 25 that come to World Cup finals this has rumbled on all season long and it's a bit of a joke like you say Marcel I think it's they need to get a grip of of the rules and decide how they're going to police it I don't know how if they just if they deem that what do they have to say to Wada look what we need you to change your rules I do understand I don't want to see the guys at the start before they're going into their race up at Beaver Creek which is over 10,000 feet sucking on an oxygen mask I, I don't think that's right and I don't think it looks great and I think that it takes away from the fact the big teams can do it maybe that's us from a small team that gets a bit jealous of the fact that you can do that sort of stuff but I don't think it paints it in the greatest picture I I think that the fizz I like that the fizz rule says that you can't do that I do think it's a bit stupid that you can hop over a fence and do it outside the field of play and be allowed to get away with it if WADA says it's okay does that mean we now just have to buckle to everything that WADA says and fizz don't have any say on rules with all the problems FIS has had this year, you wouldn't think that whether or not having any oxygen would be the most pertinent thing they'd have to worry about at the end of the year. But going from the start to the end of the season and only just getting this sorted, there could have been people who thought they were going to World Cup finals and then all of a sudden Lewis has got 100 points and they're now 26th in the, in the standing. You know, it's not fair on the other athletes and they just need to get a grip on what they think is the right way forwards. 
you think we can uh, get Baxter's uh, third position over third? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, yes, ultimately, yes. <laughs> the reason I, I'm denied is because I think it's utterly ridiculous that it's not happened already. What a joke that is. Yeah. A- absolute joke. I don't understand how this is still... How it's still not been resolved yet. I was at um, I was at a wedding at the weekend, and they had a Scottish wedding, and they had the piper who's who's called Spud, and he was the piper that piped Alan Baxter back into Aviemore with his bronze medal before it got taken away. And I spoke to him briefly about it, and he said it was just the best day ever. I get I've got goosebumps even talking about it. I can remember where I was. I was out in Norway when it happened. I can remember like so much about that day and Alan is such a hero and he's such a humble guy at the same time. It winds me up that we've not done something about this yet. A Dave Smith who is a Paralympic gold medalist in rowing. He used to be our fitness coach for the ski team years ago. He's grown up in Aviemore living with the guys. He's at the moment battling tumors in hospital so get get well soon Dave we're thinking about you and he is writing newspaper articles and the big one that he put out today was this I think it was like a four page spread of how Alan still hasn't got his medal back I was going to say I don't remember where I was then but I remember he didn't have to wear a helmet for slalom yeah no headbands what's the Austrian take on that Marcel well like obviously the Austrians because obviously sorry yeah, because, yeah because um, sorry Benny Reich inherited that third place when Alan was disqualified. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not that much of a topic anymore as it's probably for British Yeah, people. we want it back. I know, you guys want it back. So, like, I mean, Austria's won a lot of Olympic medals. Yeah, they so don't need it. Third, third place probably <laughs> isn't registering on the radar too much. No, I personally, I really appreciate Ben Reich. He was always a great teammate and he's a great sportsman. And I, I'm not even sure if he was like super happy about getting it this way. Because he obviously has a relationship with Alan. My understanding of of that situation was that he hasn't even taken it like he hasn't got it because he, he doesn't collect it but i guess he doesn't feel he earned it he was beaten by alan fair and square in his eyes and as a racer i think we can all understand that in a world where we're talking about sports people and how drugs are talked about way too much in sport for the purist but we have to talk about it. And we understand that when somebody cheats, we want them found out, we want the consequences. But when they haven't cheated, when it's been this so black and white, the sort of scenario and why he hasn't got his medal, I think that's the thing that even the athletes, he's, he doesn't want it. I mean, maybe if it had been somebody who never had a medal before and never reached the heights of Benny Reich, maybe it would be a different story. But the fact that he's still not got it is utterly absurd, really. I, I can't think of a, a word that I can use on this podcast strongly enough to, uh, to 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 allow this to go live and um, the other thing while we're on a rant i'm gonna carry on this is leading me on nicely onto corner. this next thing. yeah sorry i feel like i've got this grumpy hat on today i've not but the other thing that is really really winding me up at the moment is how many races are we seeing and it does tend to be mostly the men that come across the line don't do very well and shoot straight out the finish area that is just a joke a joke these guys are paid thousands and thousands of euros by sponsors uh, and the teams are sponsored by these guys and they're head to toe covered in brands and these guys shoot straight out the finish area at the same time as this being about winning and everybody's there to try and win it's sport it's supposed to be an all sort of leveling thing isn't it it's supposed to be inclusive you're supposed you're a role model at the same time and what example does that set to the youngsters coming up the the kids coming through if when you don't win you just shoot straight out there i think it's disgusting 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's like from a role model perspective, it's awful. And also for sponsors, like if I would be a sponsor of whoever is shooting out of the finish area, I would be fuming. Like it's it's not that they pay a lot of money for that. So I think they should be there, say hi to the fans and respect any the other races as well. I don't mind it. I'll just be devil's advocate and say I have uh, got a button here to mute your <laughs> microphone. <laughs> you know, probably thinking about the sponsors when they don't do it because if they sit in the finish area and snap their poles and swear and whatever else, they do get fun. It but puts the same across just as bad an image. Briefly, let's move on to something like football. You talk about like the best guys; they're the ones setting the example, right? They're the ones that your kids look up to. They're the ones that see somebody yelling blue murder at a referee, and all of a sudden, it's all right to do that for the your kids. Kids. and it's the same with skiing like if you don't show sportsmanship and humility when it goes well or badly like what are you doing there i mean i know you're taking home a fat paycheck but i think you should have a bit more of a head on your shoulders to realize that this is still a business these guys are still you know ultimately without the people that are plastered over you head to toe you're not there the fans aren't there and nobody's watching you no one's paying you these big monies and i think it's uh I don't know, maybe they should stick in a little hurdle so they can't ski out the finish area, or maybe like a little tripwire just to catch like somebody quickly to like hook them over the head. Cameraman's there for. Yeah, I know, but they're all... Just kind of runs and gets in their face so they can't get past. Yeah, but it's all like wireless now. The old days where you could pull it and they'd get straight over on the front of the skis. I think we should bring back like some sort of tripwire or maybe like a code to release the finish area when they're allowed to get out <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you I always stopped in the finish to wave but they were normally giving out the medals to the people that had won by the time I got down were you, were you, were you waving at the guys taking in the course <laughs> I'm not finished yet I was, yeah, there was not, yeah normally just saying wait hold on <laughs> oh, I'm winding you up I'm winding you up okay so I think maybe ranting over Unless anybody else wants to on, chip in. Onto conspiracies? <laughs> Don't get me started on conspiracies. Um, we touched on the, the guys leaving the finish. I'd like to see it changed. But even if it's just a, a, a quiet word in somebody's ear and go, do you know what? I set a better example than just leaving. Ed Drake, your local crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Talking conspiracies and finish area troubles. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Well, you're not coming back either. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be doing this on my own. <laughs> um, right. I want to quickly move on to which nation, which team has come out this season winning? Uh, I said before, definitely the Swiss for me. You know, they've got Luke Mellard, they've got Odermatt and a few other really young guys who have made some good headway this year. And I think it just looks really good for them for next year. Marcel? Yeah, I, I agree with Luke. Swiss team was amazing. Also, French was really good. French team really stepped up their game. I think those are the two teams that stick out for me. Team Herscher. <laughs> I'm going to find this mute button in a minute. <laughs> as a separate nation. As, he has, as his own nation. Uh, yeah. He's got enough points more than most countries, to be Ex- fair. Exactly. <laughs> no, you, you listen to me or you've heard how many times I've, I've picked French racers for, for wins and, and impressive performances. Pantera alone... Has had an incredible season, and I think they've had a, a pretty solid year. The French. What about you? I, I think I agree. I think I would have said the French probably. Years gone by, the French, especially the tech team, maybe not so much. Maybe, again, maybe the French is probably still more on the tech side. I think you got Brice Roger who's coming through from the speed side, but apart from him, really, and Johan Claret who picked up that podium. But that was a sort of almost not a one-hit wonder because that's not fair. But um, 
you know, an out of the blue result. The speed team hasn't got it right. The tech team have all of a sudden got it right. Even the older guys, we saw Baptiste Grange come back. All of a sudden, he looked like he was going to win World Cups again or certainly get on the podium. Lizaru, 40 years old, best part of, and somehow Fanara. coming into finals. Thomas Fanara coming back from injury at 38. The French team have found a drive, they found a fire, they found something to sort of come from a sort of second tier generation of racing. I think it's probably fair to say not necessarily had the, you know, they've not been the Austrians, they've not been the, the, the Swiss, but all of a sudden they're moving forward. And the Italians as well. I think, the, I think we've had a lot of strong seasons from uh, a lot of strong results from a lot of people. Sofia Goggia coming back, winning after being out for half of the summer and the early part of the season you know some solid solid results across the board Dominic Paris winning left right and centre you know win or bust granted but pretty impressive nonetheless which sort of brings us towards the end of the podcast and I think a good place to finish is a sort of a farewell to quite a lot of races we saw the World Cup finals a couple of crazy outfits we saw them signing off if you like and I've got a list of confirmed retirees that's not even the ones that We'll sort of start the summer and then go, oh, do you know what, this isn't for me anymore. We've got Frieda Hansdotter, Felix Norreiter, Lindsay Vonn, Axel Lundsvindor, Matthias Hagen, Eric Gay, Toma Fanara, Chiara Costaza, Irena Cortoni and uh, Andre Mura, considering it, who all of a sudden seems to have like U-turned after being an RA saying, you may as well, I may leave my skis here, get a bit of column inches in the and then all of a sudden going ah, do you know what I might not be doing it which I think is pretty much what Andy Murray did isn't it to be fair um, we talked about how we've got so many youngsters coming up which I think to be fair is a good thing because half the World Cup the best of the World Cup and these guys a lot of these guys are top 7 skiers top 15 racers so it's opening right up to some people to stick their hands in the air and, and, and claim wins who are you guys going to miss who do you think is going to be a big loss to the World Cup? Can I name more than one person? Sure. I would say Felix Nairoter because he was a very, very great skier, great person, and Swindoll. Yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think Felix is, uh, he's just a really, it almost doesn't do him justice, he's just a really nice person. He's really good with the fans, he's really good with kids. Um, I was coaching a group of Americans in the summer and Felix came into the hotel and the kids were, you know, in awe of him. And a bunch of them asked if they, he could sign stuff, take photos. He was just passing through the hotel. He was more than happy, which, to be fair, a lot of them are. A lot of the World Cup racers realise that they're here for, for everybody and take that time out. But he, I think he will be sorely missed and I, I, it's sad to see him go. I think you can tell by the reaction of some of the other racers as well. A lot of people have come out and, and posted pictures of, of themselves with Felix saying how great he was. Um, it certainly came up on, on commentary during the slalom yesterday that uh, Clement Noel even said that he based his style on Felix and he was that kind of hero for him growing up. So he does appear to be one of the ones that people are, are really going to miss. I'd probably say for myself, Von, just in terms of her kind of trailblazingness on the, on the women's tour and speed side and that approach of just never ever backing down for a second on any run uh, obviously she went out in a bit of a blaze of glory with that giant crash in downhill training and then the podium in the super g it was her own version of uh, of maya's olympics wasn't it that yeah. massive crash and coming away with the win so it, not quite as heroic potentially but yeah exactly. obviously right. the, the american women and women in general have got kind of shifter in there now kind of setting that standard but von 
really for the last decade has been that kind of inspiration to women racers and and it's going to just be a bit of a shame to see her go falling just short of that record that she you know wanted so badly yeah obviously some big big legends leaving us which is always sad uh we always talk about how you just mentioned how nice that some of the, the guys are and the girls are on the world cup circuit and you know such great uh role models but natural cycles really exciting to to see some new young people come in too. So yeah, it's it's a, I think it's a nice way to end things. Uh, yeah, and they, a lot of them are going out on highs, wins or podiums this year. Hans Dotter's podium. Felix, not I don't think is podium this season, but, yeah, he's, but he got seventh in the last race, which is yeah. You know, I think it's uh, when he's checking, you know, when you're checking out and you know you're checking out. I think that's good. Like Von, obviously, world champs medal. Svindal, world champs medal. And Tom Fanara, all of you know, he's absolutely blitzed GS this year and. In World Cup finals, he fell, but he was up on Pantera, wasn't he, until he crashed halfway down. So it seems crazy that, that he's retiring when you're that good. It doesn't really seem fair when you've got that well, much talent and you're still going to suck it in. <laughs> I mean, I, all, I all, uh, also think that it's a great chance, for example, for Schifrin when one's gone. Her popularity is definitely going to go up in America, for example, which is good for Schifrin, I guess. When we talk about skiing athletes, the big time ones, the proper big ones, transcend through diff- into different sports. Von obviously did that, became a huge star across the world, not necessarily within skiing. And the same probably would be said of Svindal. But apart from those guys, not too many really go across and out of our sport. But I think Schifrin's certainly going to. I think she's going to become a global superstar, really and has the skill set to back it up at the same time. That's all we've got time for on this last of the regular weekly episodes of the Ski Racing Podcast. We'll be doing some specials throughout the rest of the winter season, as well as a couple over the summer, so make sure you've subscribed to know when the episodes are about to drop. If you've liked what we've been putting out this season, make sure you rate us. Thanks again, and goodbye for now. <laughs>